0: What's up, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I am joined, as always, by my trusted co-host, the not-paying people that work at the Boston TD Garden, to also laying off the people that work at the Boston TD Garden, it's Eric Silver. Eric, how's it going?
1: Ah, Mike, you've fallen directly into my trap. (laughs) You rube. You self-indulgent Knicks fan. So it turns out that the Celtics, no one in the actual Celtics organization is affiliated with the Boston Garden. It's actually run by the Boston Bruins owner, Jeremy Jacobs, who runs a company called Delaware North. So he's the one who laid everybody off. He is an absolute monster. When he got the rights to running the new garden, the TD Garden, part of the deal was that he had to hold at least three charity events a year, and he just never did it. Hmm. <laughs> so fuck this guy, but not
0: Celtics affiliated. Ah, so instead... Instead of saying fuck the Celtics, we're just saying fuck Boston, (laughs) noted bad city. (laughs) You know, I'm fine with that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least we can agree on one thing. Yeah, fuck Jeremy Jacobs and fuck Boston and fuck uh, billionaires. Billionaires shouldn't exist. In a weird turn of events, James Dolan actually did something good, which was offer Madison Square Garden to be used for COVID-19 relief. But then Cuomo said no everyone's just a giant asshole really the reasoning at least with the internet said is that they're already using the Javit center which is very close and mm-hmm. makes more sense but i mean if msg turns into a backup hospital there's worse places to be
1: <laughs> what a low bar what an incredibly low bar we got <laughs> we need to laugh in these times <laughs> there's too much I like that everyone, and we're going to talk about this in court Press, but I like that now the billionaires are just worried about getting dragged on Twitter, and they don't want their net worth being posted on Twitter, so that's why they're doing
0: the right thing. How does it feel to be Kristen Wiig in the Imagine video, where you're the second <laughs> celebrity and everyone's mad <laughs> at like the first couple people that they saw in that video, Of the celebrities trying to sing Imagine and thinking people would give a shit. You got to be really lucky if you were the third to last person. You're like, okay, people probably close the video and they don't realize I'm in it.
1: The owner of like the Utah Jazz is like, oh man, I'm so glad that the owner of the Rockets and the Knicks are getting dragged instead. I'm so glad about that.
0: Oh, my goodness. Well, before we get into basketball and general happier things to discuss over the course of this episode, let's prepare ourselves for this. And in order to do so, we're going to get ready in a little place that we like to call the Teal Memorial Locker Room. Teal is doing fine. Teal washes her hands a lot, so she's killing it. And by it, I mean the virus, killing it with soap.
1: (laughs) Teal is inside, Teal is not interacting with other people, and Teal is flattening the
0: curve. So, you know who else Lysol wipes things on a regular basis to make sure that all of the things that they're touching are disinfected? You know, they were doing this before, but it actually is our patrons. It's our new patrons. So, shout out to Sarah Serto, David Manning, and Levi Cotter. Wow. What wonderful humans. They join our illustrious, established crew of producers. Brian Wingate, Adam Hartwick, Ross Papa, Cody Powell, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Samantha Rose, Polly Burge, I Worked with Eric Stad, shoo bee doo I Am Adam Silver, Godzilla Got Busy, Dame Judy Dench Is My DM, Wouter Van der Maiden, Madeline Heising, Soap Slam Chops, Steph Curry, for three, Siobhan Ellsbury, Kendra Hadley, and He Sells
1: Seashells. You are all starring in great TikToks with Matisse Thibel, and we're all proud of you. Please continue to make good content.
0: I love it. I think that Matisse, first off, should be awarded NBA Rookie of the Month for March because we only got a couple games into March anyway. It's a monthly award. He's been providing great content on TikTok. I think you should make it happen. And another thing I enjoy about one of his TikToks in particular, which involved him putting on his full uniform and dribbling around his apartment, staying safe, which everyone should be doing. I always imagined that people left their uniforms in the locker room, and I didn't think that they would just have them at home. But... He does, which makes, you know, I used to have to, when I worked at the engineering plant, put on a particular fire safety outfit and then go to work. I like that NBA players have to do the same thing or at least could. Yeah, they have just like a special
1: blazer that they put on and they have to do that to go to work. That's the business casual. That's the part that we see before they do the fashion show. Mm, They put on their business casual thing over their jersey and then they walk out to their hot shit and then they switch back.
0: I see, I see. Well, you know who else is wearing fancy business casual stuff as they enter this podcast? It I don't it could be anybody. It's our sponsor. <laughs> Eric our sponsor of this episode is brilliant. Now, I many times on this podcast have talked about the fun and the joys of math, and I think That there are other STEM subjects out there that are also very fun and enjoyable that I think everyone ought to take the time to learn about. And maybe you have found some new time to do so. And if you want to learn about these things, you can do so with Brilliant. Nice. Tell me about it, Mike. So Brilliant has a bunch of different classes over a wide range of topics from astronomy to computer science to physics to math. All At Brilliant.org. And you can learn how to problem solve. You can sharpen skills and Brilliant's here to help you. And Eric, maybe you just want to learn about math for fun because I keep making it sound so entertaining.
1: Yeah, that's exactly
0: what you're doing.
1: Oh man, Mike's so cool. I wish I could add and do multiplication and fractions and exponentials like him. Look, it's
0: an important part of your mental toolbox. Is to have a math game that's strong, and why don't you sharpen those tools with Brilliant? And as a Horse Listener, you can support our podcast while supporting your brain. If you go to Brilliant.org/horse, you can sign up for free, and the first two hundred people to go to that link will get twenty percent off an annual premium subscription at Brilliant. Mike, what you know math? What percentage are they going to get off? Twenty percent. That's one fifth, and that's a fraction.
1: Wow. You did it.
0: (laughs) So head on over to brilliant.org slash horse. Sign up for free. Start making that brain bigger with STEM stuff today. Making that brain bigger sounds terrible. Don't let anyone tell you that size doesn't matter. Size of your brain matters. Use
1: 100% of your brain.
0: You miss 100% of the brains you don't strengthen.
1: Is this your new conspiracy theory that it's actually the size of the brain that matters, not the amount that you use?
0: Look, all I'm going to say is my head is really big. And I am good at math and there's nothing disproving the correlation of that. So who's to say who's to say really? I have a really wrinkly brain. Is that a good thing? I don't know. I think it's all about is it big and (laughs) juicy?
1: (laughs) Damn, I got to get myself a bigger brain. (laughs) (laughs)
0: So with that, we are now ready to approach our first segment of the podcast, which we like to call full court press. Get it like the news?
1: Please tell me what the news is because there hasn't been much out of the NBA.
0: There hasn't been much new topics out of the NBA since it is on pause, but there have been further developments in something that we talked a little bit about last time. So last time we had talked briefly about some owners deciding to pay their employees, even though the games aren't happening, and some players like Kevin Love stepping up to pay for the arena workers if the owners didn't. Thankfully, now a lot of teams have come around to it and more and more are deciding, oh, hey, we should pay these people that we were going to have to pay anyway. And this is what frustrates me so much about the situation is that you know in the beginning of the year that these owners had to have budgeted for 41 home games and paying people for 41 home games worth of work. You budgeted to pay these people their livelihood. Just pay them. You are a billionaire. It's not going to affect you that much. Don't try to use this weird loophole where you're not going to pay people because the games aren't happening. You were prepared for them to happen. It's so upsetting. Also, if there was anybody who could pay them, like, just be like, oh, hey,
1: have some money. It's not that big a deal to me. I have lots of it. It is people who literally own sports franchises. Billionaires. Yeah.
0: It's it's very upsetting. So something that encapsulates this whole saga, but also has a positive twist on it because someone did a bad thing and then the internet freaked out about it and then they reversed their bad decision because people were dragging them. Roasting people on the internet has good consequences. Everyone should do it. It does. So the Philadelphia 76ers owner, Josh Harris, who is not the greatest dude. I've heard rumblings (laughs) of people not liking him for various different reasons. Apologies to all of the guest stars that we've had because I'm pretty sure every single guest star on horse is a Sixers fan. Basically, Josh Harris was doing a shittier version of what some people are doing. He wasn't going to fire the people and then let them get A severance and unemployment and stuff like that he was just going to pay them less
1: yeah so I got the tweets from Woj right here across the board from everybody who worked for the 76ers uh, other than the owner of course because he doesn't get a salary Uh, oh yeah uh, Uh, mm -hmm. everyone got a 20% salary reduction uh, apparently, though, at will employees, those who make more than 50 K a year were required to accept the salary reduction. But those under contract and less than 50 K had to, quote unquote, volunteer to accept the
0: 20 percent. That's what it's even worse. I hate business slogany bullshit so much. When I was an engineer, they they had to involuntarily retire people. My company bought another company and then they had to reduce the size, blah, blah, blah. So they just forced people to retire against their will. It's fucked up. And then gave them a severance package and stuff. But uh, I knew one guy who was 64. And if he got to be 65, he would have unlocked all of these benefits in different ways. But because they forced retired him, he missed out on all of them. Uh, uh.
1: I'm so glad that the billionaires are allowed to do whatever they want. While people who are working at the concessions and make less than 50K a year need to voluntarily, for the good of everyone, take a 20%
0: cut. Insane. It's so bonkers because the amount of money that affects the person that is making 50K a year and under, it's like pennies to Josh Harris. It's, right. it's nothing. Right. There was
1: that tool when Mike Bloomberg was still running. I think it was from the Washington Post that compared your net worth to Mike Bloomberg's net worth. And then like what you would buy as Mike Bloomberg bought the ads, that the hundreds of millions of presidential ads. So it was like with his net worth, if you bought two tickets to a music festival, that would be the same thing as spending all this money on ads that Mike Bloomberg did.
0: I also enjoyed the tiktok rice thing in this rice tiktok each grain of rice was a thousand dollars so they could show you what a hundred thousand dollars was compared to a billion dollars and then they were grabbing individual grains of rice comparing it to this big pile and it's like look you just bought a lamborghini and it's nothing just pay the people that you were planning on paying anyway So thankfully, Josh Harris got dragged on Twitter, and now he's doing it. Hooray!
1: ESPN said to Woj, after listening to our staff and players, it's clear that that was the wrong decision. (laughs) We have reversed it, and we will be paying these employees their full salary.
0: So to end this news bit on a happier note, I would like to borrow a podcast segment from Esteemed Podcast Reply All. Uh, instead of yes, yes, no, Eric, would you like to play yes, yes, but you're going to pretend to say no with me? <laughs> yeah, I love that game. That's great. So, Eric, Joel Embiid tweeted, in these trying times, I'm proud of the Sixers organization for reversing course and, quote, doing a 180, unquote. Let's focus on beating this coronavirus now. Let's be responsible and trust the process. Eric, do you understand this tweet?
1: Now, Mike, what sport are we talking about here?
0: It's basketball. Oh, okay. So I'm gonna take it as you don't understand this tweet so I, don't I can explain it. it. So this tweet is great because it takes some of the best parts of NBA Twitter with one of the best people involved in NBA Twitter, Joel Embiid, and puts them together. So a video circling around NBA Twitter a couple days ago was from Jeopardy, and it was the answer, the part where Alex Trebek is talking to the contestants. <laughs> he said that uh the answer is. This nickname adopted by Joel Embiid was originally a phrase used by the 76ers organization to talk about how they were going to reverse their terrible NBA record of the past year. And the guy buzzed in and he guessed, what is One 180? Which isn't the worst <laughs> guess because it does combine – a roughly basketball-related term, because sometimes you do a 180 dunk with something that does mean to reverse something going in a bad direction.
1: I like that he assumed that was Joel Embiid's nickname. It's just the part where you like only focus on one part of the question, not the whole part of the question. So it's like Joel Embiid's nickname is do a
0: 180. That's yeah, that's the clunkiest part is I
1: was a skateboarder in Cameroon and <laughs> I have a re- I love doing ollies, so that's why I'm doing a 180.
0: So Joel Embiid changed his Twitter display name to Joel, quote, dual 180, unquote, Embiid with three question marks. I'm assuming this happened before making this tweet. But now you understand the context. In this tweet, Joel Embiid made fun of an NBA Twitter video that was from Jeopardy where someone misnomered his nickname. He used this to take a jab at his owner who was going to do a bad thing, but instead is now doing a good thing. And at the end of the tweet, he still let people know what his real nickname is, The Process.
1: (laughs) Perfect. Now, how does 4chan get in the mix here? Because that always
0: happens. They thankfully don't. Oh, good. It's just NBA Twitter. Good old NBA (laughs) Twitter. With that happier note, we can end this first segment, which we like to call Full Court Press. Get it like the news.
1: Oh, wow. I got it. Good.
0: All right, Mike. I'm so glad
1: that I got the that actually happened because I had a bevy of sources that I could pull from, all of which came from the total meltdown that was our NBA oh, no. Reddit thread
0: for the NBA. Coronavirus NBA has been significantly worse than regular RNBA offseason. Usually in the offseason, RNBA has these incredibly over the top, very silly deep dives. There have been hits such as How much worse would LeBron James be at basketball if he had to wear sandals when he played? Sometimes there's some great ones. These ones have been really rough. They're not
1: funny. This is something that I've realized from digging in there is that the mods are very, very, very stringent about the rules during the season. Tell
0: me about it. Oh, my God.
1: Even more than Reddit in general, where the mods have such incredible power in general, but, like, the NBA mods are like, if you make a joke about anything, like, nah, you cannot do this on our NBA. (sighs) So I think that now that there's an opportunity to do something silly, everyone is just like jumping at the chance because they're out of their mind. They can't watch games. And they don't have anything else to do. But what I like it is that the majority of it is just turning into horse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See, some of it is turning into horse. And there was weirdly a one-month span during the season where an episode of horse and then it would be on Reddit, I think, just by coincidence. But what makes me upset is that some of the prompts – the title is very enticing and interesting. And then the text of it is a big letdown. And the biggest example I have of this is one that was called If Every Team Was Named Like the New York Knickerbockers. And I thought, oh, this could be one of two things. The first of which is that it would be renaming every team to be about some old school article of clothing that the city's population used to wear because that's how the Knicks got their name for Knickerbockers. Or it could be being a longer extended version and I thought this would be like the Atlanta to hawks, it would be the genus and species name of whatever a hawk is. Instead, this dude just added bockers to the end of every team name. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's not a joke. <laughs> it's just a non-joke. It was just the Atlanta Hawks Bockers the Boston Celtics Bockers I feel like I should write these articles. I'm gonna make what I thought this post should have been. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do it, and then it's gonna get removed. And then when you plug horse at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh yeah, this is self-promotion.
1: Oh, there's so much. Okay, I'm not going to talk about our our Reddit rules. Is that what I'm going to (laughs) do? But what I did find was something really interesting about a coach and uh, media personality that you like a lot. Because I started on this one post and then I started digging and it just got funnier as I looked through. So, Mike, this is the story of the tough non-basketball times of Knicks coach Jeff Van Gundy.
0: Oh, Jeff Van Gundy. He's even had tough basketball times where he's got caught into fights and stuff, but... Yeah, Jeff seems to be going through a lot. He always acts like he's on a podcast when he's broadcasting the game and just goes on these big extended rants that no one really wants to hear. So yeah, it feels like Jeff has been through some stuff.
1: You know, Jeff Van Gutty's the kind of guy who is just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I feel like the way that he is now, he like has his pulpit that he can just talk about whatever he wants because he suffered some stuff, especially when he was the Knicks coach. You know what? Let's start with these fights. The fights are important because they're not basketball related, but he has managed to put himself in a situation situation where he looks silly or has gotten harm put to himself for no reason really sure so jeff van gundy he's like 140 pounds he's 5'9 he's just a slight man as compared to basketball players during his time as the knicks coach he got into two notorious fights the first is one that you're probably talking about is in the 1998 NBA playoffs.
0: Iconic.
1: This is when the New York Knicks and the Miami Heat were getting at it, and really everyone was super scrappy. This wanted to get in, in each other's faces. So there's this moment where Alonzo Mourning, center for the Miami Heat, he is 6'10", 240 pounds. And Larry Johnson, power forward for the Knicks, big fucking dude, 6'7", 250. They start getting at it, and it, they're engaged in a bench-clearing brawl is just about to pop off, right? Mm-hmm. Jeff Van Gundy decides he's going to stop the fighting and bring the peace. And he tries to break up the fight by latching on to Alonzo Morning's leg and just holding on to it. Like he's a, a three-year-old trying to get you to not leave
0: the room. <laughs> it's wonderful. It It is so strange to see a grown man do it.
1: It's so sad. because <laughs> He's trying so hard. And I know that his heart's in the right place. But he's just doing the only thing which is like throwing his arms wildly. Running into a fight between Alonzo Mourning and Larry Johnson. Who are about to throw the fuck down. He's like, oh, I know.
0: And they're both super large dudes. Big
1: Big fucking dudes. And he's like, I'm going to stop them. And he just holds on to the leg of a 6'10 man. As he did some digging into this, I found the New York Times article reporting on it. It was called, uh, In the Aftermath of Fight, Van Gundy Becomes the Little Big Coach. <laughs> Here are some quotes. Uh, the replays show Van Gundy clinging to Alonzo Morning's leg like a two-year-old who does not want to be left with the babysitter, or as Chris Mills put it, like a jockey who fell off his horse and held on for dear life. <laughs> This was not the basketball insomniac who spent hours dissecting game film in his paper-strewn office, the little coach who could, nor was it the sour-looking pasty-faced figure who one Chicago columnist said needs to go a little lighter on the formaldehyde. Oh, my God. The national poster boy for nerds was how the columnist Greg Cote put it in yesterday's Miami Herald. Just fucking going in, New York Times. He was trying to save his player. Why is everyone razzing him? This article is just became just a roast of Jeff Van Gundy. <laughs> Because he then interviewed his wife, Kim van Gundy, who said, "That's ok. We've heard them all from the he looks like a funeral home director to the comments about the dark circles under his eyes. One of the papers ran a fashion comparison between Pat Riley, the notorious like mob boss looking coach and super like slick then coach of the Miami Heat, and Jeff making fun of Jeff's suits because they were bought off the rack. <laughs> I mean, this is the guy I've been going out with since I was fifteen. It hurts for a lot of reasons, but mostly because, I buy a
0: suits. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff Van Gundy could just go cry into his millions of dollars. He's doing totally fine. These people are just jealous. Well, we're going to put a pin in that
1: because Jeff Van Gundy wasn't done getting in the middle of scraps. Uh, in a 2001 game between the Spurs and the Knicks, Danny Ferry on the Spurs elbowed Marcus Camby, who was on the Knicks. While talking to the referee, Marcus Camby lost control and tried to punch Danny Ferry. Marcus Camby missed and hit Jeff Van Gundy instead, who was running up, who was running up and trying to break up the two players. Yay yeah, was. Again, after a giant brawl with large men, Jeff and Cundy still like, oh, I'm going to run into this fight and try to break it up.
0: Did Rocky say no to the rematch against Apollo Creed? <laughs> no. <laughs> Jeff and Cundy's not afraid of a challenge.
1: Yeah, I forgot about that part where Rocky holds onto the leg of Clubber Lang while they walk around <laughs> the ring and just Mr. T is just dragging him. It worked. Uh, amazing. I read the ABC News article about this. His eye was swollen, partially shut, and he needed anywhere from 12 to 15 stitches from the punch. But Jeff Van Gundy says his days as a peacemaker are over. I'm getting there, Van Gundy said. Last time I got their guy, (laughs) a lots of warning. This time I got my guy. Next time I'm staying the heck out of their way. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Mike, because this is with the Spurs, we got to get some quotes from Greg Popovich. Oh, yes, please. Uh, Greg Popovich said, I'm sure Camby would like to take it back. He's an intelligent guy. (laughs) But David Robinson got in there and said, it wasn't the smartest thing to do to hit his own
0: coach. Thanks, David, for putting in those, you know, putting your four years at the Naval Academy to good work. (laughs) High education for you to say such profound statements such as not a smart idea to punch your coach. Thanks, David.
1: Oh, man. Well... (laughs) In between these two incidences, something truly outstanding, something truly fantastical happened to Jeff Van Gundy. Just more more, more bad news. And this is the time that Jeff Van Gundy's car got destroyed by a chartered NBA jet. What?
0: Yeah. How does that happen? (laughs) Listen. Planes are in the sky. (laughs) Cars are on the ground. Oh, you knew David Robinson at the Naval Academy? (laughs) (laughs) He was my study buddy.
1: He's Admiral Obvious.
0: Ah, uh, I do you get see it. what I did there. I, I do see what you did
1: there. I changed the I changed the words.
0: So this was during the '99
1: 2000 playoffs. So the year after the fight that I just talked about, the Knicks were coming home from Miami. They had just lost. They're down two to three. So they had chartered a flight in the middle of the night to get back to New York City as quickly as possible. And they were going into a tiny, tiny airport. This was Westchester Airport in Harrison, New York, very close to the house of NBA Commissioner Scott
0: Silver. Correct, dear father.
1: I need to tell you, I've been to this airport before. It is so, so small. This is also before 9-11. So you could kind of just do whatever the fuck you wanted in an airport.
0: (laughs) You can do whatever you want. I don't think I ever flew on a plane before the year 2001, but I was watching the McMillions documentary on HBO, which is very good. And I highly recommend it to everyone. Oh, yeah. But there is a scene in that documentary where, I'm not going to give spoilers away, but one person is chasing down someone who is trying to flee via airplane, and that person just goes through the airport with the intent to harm this other person, and they can just go to the gate and bring weapons and stuff. It's chill.
1: It's fine. You can do whatever you want. So let's think about this. This is upstate New York. It's tiny. It's pre-9-11. So where does parking on the tarmac? I guess when they fly. Blew to Miami. Everybody parked on the tarmac and just left their cars there. I don't know if they rented it for multiple days. I'm not exactly sure what was happening there. Jeff Van Guttie, because he was the coach, he got there first, so he parked in the front of the line of all of the cars. I guess I just need to read from the L.A. Times article that reported on this. In an accident, as the New York Knicks arrived home from Miami, a jet blast from their charter plane lifted Coach Jeff Van Cundy's car airborne and sent it hurtling over three other vehicles. The police said it was totally
0: demolished. I just – it says a jet blast. Yeah. Is that the takeoff? Is that the landing? Is it the force of the landing? I, I looked into this a little bit more.
1: Van Gundy said that the plane landed and then ordinarily they would land from one side so they could just stop and everyone would get out of the plane to their cars. But instead they flew in the other way because they were like different pilots or something who hadn't done this route before, especially in the middle of the night. So they landed the other way and the guy needed to turn the plane around to like get it in the proper space. But I guess he was so close to the line of cars as it turned around, it blasted Jeff Van Gundy's car.
0: Jeez. I want to know if there were designated parking spot lines drawn. It feels like this is the pilot's fault. It feels like the pilot should buy a new car for Jeff Van Gundy.
1: Well, it's a good thing that Jeff Van Gundy has a cheap taste in cars because he was driving a 1995 Honda Civic. (laughs) I
0: was about to ask, but I was going to let you finish. I was going to say, is it a 95 Civic? (laughs) That's so perfect and so on brand.
1: <laughs> when you were asking about Jeff Van Gundy's salary, he has cheap suits and a cheap car.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I I can understand not wanting to have an expensive car. That's how I personally feel. I don't drive a car anymore now that I'm in New York. But when I was in Seattle, I had a very old car, my dad's old hand-me-down, and I have no desire to have a fancy car. If you're gonna spend a lot of money on a thing, why would you want to have that thing constantly at risk of getting hit by other people and damaged by other humans. All of the nice things that I have live safely in my home and no one can touch them except for me and my wife. I have nice speakers and I have a nice TV and I have nice kitchenware and that's about it. And even when I lived with a roommate for one year in New York, my nice kitchenware stayed in my moving box. No one touches it except for me. I don't understand spending money on something that other people can hurt.
1: That does explain why you made me wear mittens when I came over for dinner that one time.
0: Look, the Lake Crusade is very delicate (laughs) and I can't have it be damaged. It's also like a plant. I talk to my skillet and I just whisper nice things into the cast iron. You're doing great. You're wonderful. Sear this steak for me.
1: Well, before this becomes an ASMR episode, I just want to say, that was the original post that I found on RMBA about Jeff Van Gundy's car getting destroyed, but I did a little bit of digging, and... Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson went on Jimmy Kimmel a few years ago to I guess to promote the NBA playoffs or something.
0: In case people weren't
1: watching, I know. The lead into this was Mark Jackson was talking about all the shit that he bought when he was a Knicks rookie. He was the rookie of the year. He got drafted in 87 and he bought a BMW with gold rims. Nice. But then Jimmy Kimmel turned to Jeff Van Gundy and said, "So like, what well, what car were you driving when you were when you were coaching the Knicks?" He's like, "Oh, I had a 95 Honda Civic." <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
0: one two three three two one three on three so eric in these trying times which i'm realizing (laughs) is a phrase that you can't use seriously has anyone ever seriously started something by saying in these trying times and not said a joke afterwards
1: there must have been just like one president in one movie and said something like the and then in these trying times i want you to remember the aliens aren't going to take our spirit but that was it
0: (laughs) In these trying times, I wanted this three on three to be something happy and be something that we could all get behind. So I thought <laughs> it should be something celebratory. Oh, wait, it should just be about celebrations. So I was going to do the three best and the three worst after a three pointer is made celebration, mm. but they're all good. So instead of doing the three best and the three worst, I've done the three best Quick ones, and the three best extended NBA after a three-pointer is made celebrations. So do you want the quick ones or the long ones first?
1: Do the quick ones. I also have my guesses about a few that are going to be on here, but I'm going to save them. There are two in particular that I am... Do you have Nick Young's false celebration on this list?
0: No, that was potentially (laughs) an honorable mention one for Five on Five, but I wanted it to be ones that people did at least once. So it wasn't just, you know, Michael Jordan's jump after he made the shot. I want it to be this person did this celebration at least one time. So it's that person's thing.
1: In NBA Street Volume 5, you can unlock this.
0: Exactly. Got it, got it. So for the quick ones, the third best – that I have awarded is Russell Westbrook, good friend of the podcast, in the running to be in our pantheon of of horse people. He's striving to be on that Mount Rushmore. He will certainly get there. Russell Westbrook is an incredibly boisterous and outspoken player. He shows his emotion on the court. He wears his emotions on his non-existent sleeves because he's wearing a tank top. But his three-point celebration that he does is very good he has a, another celebration the rock the baby which is very good when he scores over someone that he he thinks he has made them his baby he acts like he's cradling a baby which is very good oh wait i thought he was putting them to sleep with his moves so it's a couple things the first is that you could say this person is too small to guard me that's usually what right. it is like if he does a post move over someone like dennis Schroder, who is smaller than him he will rock the baby to be like i am so much bigger than you but sometimes as a Flip on this if he scores on someone that is particularly large, like Rudy Gobert, noted asshole, he will rock the baby to say, Ah, I am so much bigger than you, seven foot tall Rudy Gobert. So that is a joke.
1: Ah, it has so many layers. That's how you know it's good.
0: But his trademark three-point celebration that he does is he takes his two hands and puts them in the three that when people do goggles, that kind of like the OK sign three. He puts each one in that and then he puts them very forcefully into his imaginary holsters at his side, at his hip. And it's very good. It's quick. It's very authoritative. It looks sweet. He usually yells afterwards. It's very fun.
1: I like this. This is like the Marvel superhero pose of mm. three-point celebrations because it's like forceful and it's like a singular motion. It demonstrates strength. And I like that a lot.
0: Yes. The video for this celebration and all of the celebrations will be posted at the episode page over at horseshoops.com. which all of our transcripts are there now. Uh, we, we haven't really talked about. Episodes have transcripts. If you want to check those out, read along. Yeah. So moving on to the second best. This is someone that we've discussed Before on the podcast, I tweeted about him recently because there's some Knicks accounts that are just tweeting old, cool Knicks stuff that happened. Uh, The second best quick one goes to Steve Novak, who used to do the championship belt celebration that many people will know as the discount double check from Aaron Rodgers. You talked
1: about him before when I don't remember what this was. Was it like best three point shooters or like best white guys?
0: Best folk heroes. Yes, that's right. So Steve Novak, who shot ridiculous percentages from three-point land his entire career, but specifically when he was on the Knicks in the Lynn Sanity era, after he made a three, he would do the championship belt motion around his waist super authoritatively, much like this Russell Westbrook holster thing. He would very emphatically go from the middle where his imaginary belt buckle is and then throw it off to the side as he ran down court. And it was fantastic. He did it in a time where Aaron Rodgers was very popular for doing this after he scored a touchdown. And the way that they did them was very different. Aaron Rodgers was more wide and a little bit slower. Steve Novak was very like quick and like, yeah, (laughs) <laughs> when he would do it.
1: It's so funny though, I don't associate this with the discount double check other than that it was on that commercial. But it's like, that's the championship belt. That's like wrestling. Like on the champ. It's so funny to me that automatically we associate this with this dumb insurance brand when it's like, no,
0: I've been the fucking champ forever. So I found out why that name of it is so popular because they asked Steve Novak about it. And he said that he did it because he's been a big fan of wrestling. So I reached out to Multitude's wrestling correspondents, Julia Shafini and Eric Schneider. And <laughs> Eric Schneider was unable to help me. But Julia Shafini came through with some great research. She said that the earliest instance that she found of it was from a wrestler in the 1960s named Dick the Bulldog Brower. He did it, but it could predate him. Julia and I were having trouble finding research about it because it's hard to Google this because there's no definitive name for it. You could say the championship celebration, but that doesn't distinguish between someone mimicking that they have a championship belt on versus celebrating after they have received a championship belt. So it's really hard to search for it. So I think that discount double check was pervasive as a name for it because nothing else is called that. And it's very distinguished. And there were a lot of State Farm commercials about it. So I think that's just the easier way to discuss it. Respect. Okay. I got you. But also in my research, I found a very good clip from Sports Center that was talking specifically just about Aaron Rodgers and the celebration. And they brought on Triple H from Wrestling <laughs> Fame to talk about it because Triple H started doing it even more once Aaron Rodgers started popularizing it. And he was giving Aaron Rodgers pointers and feedback about how to do it better he said aaron Rodgers did it a little too low because when you actually wear the wwe championship belt it's so big you actually wear it above your waist it's really kind of above your abdomen area he was saying that aaron Rodgers, who always did it just once he said he should do it more than once so people really get the idea of what you're doing
1: (laughs) it was a great clip Mike, I have to say, when you started this, I was like, oh, Mike's going to say some Nick's bullshit. But now we're talking about Triple H, and I just <laughs> want to applaud you of the journey you've taken me on this one.
0: What's especially great, and this clip will be on the episode page, is that Triple H is wearing a suit and has his hair in a ponytail while he's talking about this. It's business, Triple H. <laughs> the H stands for hiring power.
1: He's Triple B, the Better Business Bureau. <laughs>
0: Before we move on to the next celebration, there's one final quote from Steve Novak about his championship belt celebration that I wanted to share with you because it's great. This happened in the NFL and in the NBA. A lot of people will mimic the championship belt thing out of spite. It is a good return thing to do. And there was a particular game against the Chicago Bulls where Nate Robinson made like a mid-range jumper uh, and then did it, which is not the point. But he did it, and Steve Novak was not very happy about it. Nate Robinson notoriously is very short he's listed as five nine but he's really like five six probably and after the game he was interviewed about it and steve novak said the following quote it warms my heart it really does the best part about doing the belt is hearing the stories about all the kids who hit a (laughs) three-pointer and do the belt one day when little nathan grows up his dreams come true and he can be just like me that's very funny i like that a lot (laughs) so shout out to steve novak for delivering such a spicy quote to go along with his wonderful celebration. In a surprise turn of events, the best one is from a Celtic player. Hooray! Hey, let's go. So the best very quick celebration, I liked it just because of how understated it was, is Ray Allen. Yeah. Ray Allen, after making a three pointer, would very nonchalantly, which makes it cooler, after he made a three, he would put his hand in the okay kind of motion, and then very quickly flick his wrist, and the signification of what he was doing was cashing a check, which is really good.
1: You can't see me because we're recording this remotely, but I'm doing all of these as, <laughs> as you're explaining to me how to do it, I'm like, ooh, I'll do it like that.
0: Don't worry, so am I. So he's he would just cash the check, and it was really nice. It wasn't over the top. He did it after every three-pointer, kind of like how Steph Curry always does his touch the chest and point up thing. So it was really nice, and it just looked so effortless, much like his jump shot.
1: Yes, that is very Ray Allen. Understated cool. I mean, that's the kind of guy who plays Jesus Shuttlesworth. Like, that's Mm -hmm. not Kobe. Like, that's Ray Allen, just someone who's just like, I'm here to play the game, and I'm going to do this, and it's just easy for me.
0: Yes. So now we will move on to the three best lengthy NBA three-point celebrations.
1: I know for a fact—we've been doing this for 46 episodes—I know for a fact there is one on this list, and I'm going to hold it to my chest.
0: Okay. The third is LeBron James' The Silencer. This is the one where he pats his chest and does the big thigh push thing. Do you know the one I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, that sounds familiar. He just has so many celebrations. I just, like, can't remember. Let me slack
0: this to you.
1: Oh, I know this one. Mm -hmm. This is the one where he he pushes down on the air.
0: I love this one. So he walks over to the crowd, and this is an away game, so it's even better. He bats his chest... Twice very emphatically. Then he pushes like imaginary things into his thigh three times, bats his chest three more times, and then screams <laughs> and then daps up his teammate. The pushing down is such, like, a powerful move. Again, this is, like, a very Marvel
1: superhero sort of thing. And it's like, oh, no, this is this man who can break me in half, who's been playing basketball at the highest level for, like, 15 years. And he's just, like, he is truly a superhero. It's like he is pushing something as he's pushing down.
0: It feels like the haka that the New Zealand rugby team does. It's so forceful. And even though he's pushing nothing, it looks terrifying. It's so intimidating and I do the celebration very often even if I'm not playing basketball even if just something good happens to me I will do this. It's it just feels so good to do this celebration. I've decided that the stream that is going to be for this month on Patreon is just going to be me doing all of these. That's going to that be available great. for our stream tier patrons. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh god, I might start doing this cuz I I love doing the Tiger Woods like fist pump. Because it's, like, full body, and it's sure. very, like, it's very forceful. But I kind of want this more. It's, it's, like, more unique.
0: It's very fun. It feels very good. So that's third place. Second place is one that will always have a very special place in my heart, and it is J.R. Smith, uh, Blessing the Three God. Mm, that's a good one. So Jr. Smith has done this a couple times, where after he makes a ridiculous three-pointer, and the two most famous times he did it was after he made specifically buzzer-beating three-pointers, he will take his hand with the okay hand like a three, get down on one knee, strum an air guitar in a clockwise direction, so like going (laughs) backwards, like away from his face towards his back. Do that three times, then take each hand in an okay hand, put it out to the side like he is a bird, and then flick those three times, and then get up, and it's amazing. And there is one time very recently I was playing basketball. I made a game winning three pointer and I did this celebration afterwards. Of course, I'll put the link to the tweet at horsehoops.com. And I felt like a million bucks. Let me tell you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's the air guitar. I guess I never like processed That's what it was. But you <laughs> like, yeah, that's a air guitar.
0: So there is some rumblings that J.R. Smith didn't fully come up with this idea by himself. Worldwide Wob did a deep dive investigation into it. And there was one time, I think it was the warm-ups of an all-star game a couple years prior. LeBron James made a half-court shot and then did just the air guitar portion. But J.R. Smith specifically adding the little wings flicker at the end is just – so fantastic and truly iconic that it makes it that much better. And I still decided to give it the nod for the best because he put his own twist on it. It's very good. That's fair. That's fair. So the final one is one that is so fantastic and so ridiculously Boisterous and well known, that the athletic wrote an entire article about it, and I signed up I for a free trial just so I could do research for it. And I will immediately cancel this free trial once we finish recording. And that is Sam Cassell's big balls dance.
1: I literally, Mike, you can't see it. I should have wrote this down on a piece of paper and, <sighs> and then, then like, mailed you, it to, showed
0: me. it to you like a prestige.
1: <laughs> but I literally have articles up. Of the big balls dance so that we can be on the same page. So the
0: origins of it is that it actually comes from something in the baseball movie Major League. The point of the celebration is like, look at me. I've got these big balls to take and make (laughs) such a gutsy shot. I've got big cojones. In Major League, they say it's big marbles or whatever. But Sam Cassell had just seen that movie thought it was funny, and he decided to do it in a game without telling anybody, which was great. (laughs) He told no one. He busts this out during a game after making a big shot. The bench goes nuts. Ray Allen's on his team at the time because it's when he was with the Milwaukee Bucks. He goes, what the hell was that? (laughs) Mike, can you explain exactly what it looks like? It looks like you are somewhat imitating a monkey. Yeah. Imagine you are holding full cantaloupes in your hands and you put them below your groin area and then you alternate, not necessarily juggling them, but you vertically exchange <laughs> up and down, up and down always interchanging your left and right so that one is always up and one is always down. And you just go back and forth a couple of times as you move and your legs are bowed in a way to signify my testicles are so large that I need to stretch my legs incredibly wide in order to facilitate walking.
1: It was just important to me because the big balls dance is number one because it's funny. It's it's very funny. It's so ridiculous that you're doing it. Like It is ultimately just the ultimate clowning on the other player.
0: Yes, it is a great way to say, look at me, I'm awesome, but also look ridiculous and, as you said, clown your opponent. So the article is a great quote. While some have tried to label it the onions dance or the Sam Cassell dance to make it sound innocent, Cassell says there is only one way to refer to the celebration. Big balls dance, Cassell says. That's what I call it. (laughs) (coughs) So what's very funny is that originally when he started doing it, throughout his career, from his time on the Bucks to the Timberwolves when it became the most popular to the Clippers to even on his championship run with the Celtics, he would do this dance and it was fine. But the NBA eventually decided this isn't good. And in 2010, they started fining players between $15,000 and $25,000 for doing it during a game, looping it in with their obscene gesture policy, which usually extends to flipping the bird Etc. to either a player or a fan or a coach or a ref.
1: What I like about this, it feels like something that happened at your high school that you have to tell other people is like, yeah, they banned the big balls dance,
0: but it only only got bigger from there. So talking about its heyday, when he was on the Clippers, his teammate was Sean Livingston and Sean Livingston said, quote, it was kind of an energy boost for the whole team, you know, seeing that swagger, it carried with us. We'd come on the court and we're playing with that same swagger. That was the way that he led. It was that swag. I don't want to call it cockiness, but, you know, it was a little bit of that on the court.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would say having saying big balls might constitute cockiness. I'd say so.
0: Thanks, Sean. Doc Rivers even approved of it during the 2008 title run. He said that Sam Cassell's antics in general was a great veteran presence and the big balls dance always got people super hyped. Wait, can I do an impression of Doc Rivers approving of the big balls dance? Sure. Yeah. Huh, yeah,
1: I I try to get as throaty as possible. I can I'm to get there.
0: Look, Sam is out there, and he's. It's just. It he's got the big balls, and it's funny, and it, it really brings us together. Everyone, oh, there it is. Everyone really loves it. I think it really is a veteran. You're presence. just Bill Walton. <laughs> Everything is either Bill Walton or Macho Man Randy Savage.
1: <laughs> that's
0: fine. Those are. That's good. So, a lot of players started mimicking it. Eddie House, Kevin Martin, Marco Bellinelli, Karan Butler, Josh Smith, Jameer Nelson, Andre Blatch, and Julius Randle all did it. But there is one player in particular that did it that Sam Cassell thought was cool and then got worried, but then thought it was cool. And that's Kobe Bryant. <laughs> yep. Sounds about right. So, Kobe Bryant made a game winner and then did this. Cassell says that Kobe is the best person to have imitated it about this. Cassell said, I liked Kobe's. Kobe's was good. Kobe's was real good. I was like, okay, Kobe, don't take my dance now. Don't take my dance from me. You might take it. You're the focal point of the league. Don't take my dance from me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, this only reinforces the high school thing. Sam Cassell is a sophomore
0: who created (laughs) just such a a disturbance. He's like, oh, no, are the cool seniors going to take my dance from me? (laughs) But – Kobe, when asked about doing it, he gave credit to Sam Cassell, saying that he got it from him. And about this, Sam Cassell said, that was cool.
1: Nice. (laughs) Amazing.
0: Not everyone is a big fan of this dance, unfortunately. There's always some curmudgeons in these stories. There was an anonymous league spokesperson that spoke to Grantland in 2014. And they said, quote, It's an obscene and inappropriate gesture. There are better ways to celebrate. I'm sorry, League spokesperson. There fucking aren't. There are no better ways. That guy went from your sniveling voice to your nerd voice, like, very seamlessly. (laughs) This person sucks. (laughs) awfully this person's the worst sam cassell agrees that it's bad he doesn't like that players get fined for it now he wished people could just do it whenever they wish sam cassell says quote it's so stupid come on it's so stupid it's just so stupid to take somebody's money for that like come on now it ain't like you're giving somebody the finger that's a fine you know what i'm saying come on Sam Cassell, man of our time. Sam Cassell also says that he would love to run into Commissioner Adam Silver to bring up the fine and see that if the NBA could reduce it. About this, Sam Cassell said, "Quote like why twenty five thousand dollars? <laughs> the good thing about Adam Silver is he'll give you an answer. That's what I enjoy about him. But hey, if it's outlawed, you gotta respect the rules of the game." <laughs> The final person that is not a big fan of this, though, is Timberwolves coach Flip Saunders, who was a coach of the Timberwolves from 03 to 05 when Sam Cassell was playing for them. This came revealed because in 2014, Timberwolves guard Kevin Martin did it and was fined $15,000 by it. And Saunders told reporters that he didn't like the celebration because Cassell did it in 2004 in the playoffs against the Kings, and he reportedly injured his hip while doing so.
1: The big balls dance is dangerous, guys. That's why we're
0: finding it. In the next round of the playoffs, the Timberwolves lost four games to two to the Lakers because Cassell was out and he was a key part of the team. And that was the farthest the Timberwolves have gotten. And it was always this thought that if Cassell was healthy, they could have made it to the finals and beaten that Lakers team.
1: That's so suspicious. It's like, I don't know if he injured himself while he was doing it, but like he had like a hip Fracture and because his legs were so bow legged, it only exacerbated it. But, like, wouldn't he have had it already? Like, I can't imagine he hurt himself while just walking around silly, bow legged.
0: Right. So, Cassell believes that Coach Saunders wasn't being serious because he did (laughs) have an injury, maybe doing the celebration made it feel worse but I don't think that's what it is Sam Casello said he wishes that what caused the injury was the celebration because he says quote fuck I had surgery I didn't know how somebody had to have major surgery dancing <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sam Cassell is the man of our time. He looks like a Cadbury egg
0: and he has great quotes. It's such an iconic celebration. Everybody in Minnesota did this. Every single human playing pickup basketball did it. Sam Cassell even said that he saw someone do it in a 15 and under league once and about it he said, quote, okay, shawty, I see you. So
1: <laughs>
0: it's, it's such a unique celebration. It's such a prolific celebration. It is so Big of a celebration. It just uses so much of your body. And it's just such a great way to clown your opponent. And that is why it is the best post three-pointer celebration in NBA history.
1: Mike, I have to say, I've never had a sense of clarity more than knowing when you said this. I'm like, oh, he's going to do the big balls dance.
0: (laughs) It was a no-brainer.
1: It's like God talked to me in my mind and he's like, Mike has prepared the big balls dance. I'm like, thanks, God. (laughs)
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Horse Horse is hosted by Eric Silver and Mike Schubert. It is edited and mixed by Eric Silver. The social media is run by Mike Schubert. The art is by Allison Wakeman. The music is by Bettina Campomanas and the website is by Kelly Schubert. Special thanks to our producer level patrons Brianne
1: Wingate, Adam Hartwick, Ross Papa, Cody Powell, Salvador Testa, Trust the Process, Samantha Rose, Polly Burge, I work with Eric Dad, Shooby Dooby Doo, I am Adam Silver, Godzilla Got Busy, Dame Judy Dench is my DM, Woucher Vandermaiden, Madeline Heising, Soap Slam Chop, Steph Curry for three, Siobhan Ellsbury, Kendra Hadley, and he sells seashells. You can find us on the internet at Horse Hoops on Instagram and Facebook, and Horse underscore Hoops on Twitter because, as we say every episode, it's
0: because. Horse Hoops injured their hips doing the big balls dance.
1: And they got fined, and horsehoops was banned from Twitter. Our website is horsehoops.com, which has all of the research and visual stuff you didn't see because this is a podcast. And we have transcripts. We
0: have transcripts for all the episodes. Yay, 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 yay. And if you want some sweet bonus content, such as Eric and I talking about basketball or basketball-related things, I guess now because the league's on pause or us turning three-on-three three into five-on-five five, or streams and stuff, I'm going to get creative now that Eric and I are not supposed to be in the same room. Uh, I've got some <laughs> videos of me playing basketball maybe I'll put up. Uh, I've got me doing these celebration dances. A whole lot of stuff. We're getting funky up at the Patreon, but all the bonus content lives at patreon.com slash horsehoops. Can
1: we have a different Patreon for you not to put up videos of you playing basketball?
0: Look, we need streams, and I've got some (laughs) videos because I use the home court app, and you could could see me and Zach Labresco shooting some hoops. I'll put clips (laughs) of Zach in there, too, so it's not just me.
1: (laughs) Amazing. Mike, do you know who wants to encourage Jeff Van Gundy to get a better car than a 1995 Honda Civic? His wife. Well, his wife, his wife seems to be okay with it, but I think us at Multitude want him to get have a little bit more. Ah, of
0: course, of course.
1: So, Multitude is a podcast collective and studio where we make podcasts about what we love for people who love them too. And as
0: we, were you going to say something else?
1: I think we should just do the big balls dance.
0: Oh, as the uh, as what we say the count of three. Yeah. Okay, I'm wondering if there's something we could say along with it. Maybe we'll just go like ah, 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 every time we move our, our large testicles. I like that. Let's okay, so that. yeah, on the yeah. count of three, as we round out every episode, we're going to put our hands in the middle and say something on the count of three. And this time we'll just do the uh, big balls dance. So, uh, one, one, two, two three. three. Ah, 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 ah,
1: ah, ah. ah, ah, ah. ah. I'm just going to do this in The Office, and Amanda's going to be so confused.
0: She can listen to this episode of Force, and then she'll understand. It's a learning experience on this educational podcast we have.
1: Yeah, but like on Friday, when I finish the edit, I'm going to do it, and she's going to be very confused. Ah, yes, 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 yes.
0: And then I'll come in, and I'll do the LeBron the silencer. I'll kick open the door, and then... (laughs) And then I'll immediately put disinfectant all over my hands and everything that I've touched. That's good. I just want
1: audio of... I think the next stream should just be us doing these uh, celebrations, but it's just the audio of us doing it.
0: So it's just like, <laughs> we can make that the overtime Ooh. overtime is just the audio. And then the, the stream is the full video experience.
1: Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active
0: than we've ever been anywhere else. We've ever lived.